titled today outpouring or wasteful was it an outpouring or was it wasteful and in John chapter 12 is where we are going to be John chapter 12 I I gave a message this week I have a leadership team and then once um, once a month we have a leadership training and in our leadership training I spoke about the extravagance of God for us, towards us. John chapter 12 and starting in verse 1 is the anointing at Bethany. Here the word of the Lord says, Then six days before the Passover came, um, before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There is nothing that is dead, nothing that is hidden, nothing, nothing that is limited in your life that God can't still raise up and change. Amen. There is nothing that is impossible in your life. He'll open up deaf ears. He'll open up blind eyes. He'll raise the sick and he'll raise the dead. Amen. And so they made him suffer and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary rose and took a pound of very costly oil, spikenard oil, and anointed the feet of Jesus. And she wiped his feet with her hair. She wiped his feet with her hair, and she's like, this is my lavished praise unto him. This is the man that has literally raised my brother from the dead. My brother Lazarus had been dead for four days, but this is the man that raised him from the dead. How could I but do everything within me to pour out my thanksgiving? This is exactly what she did. She poured out her thanksgiving on behalf of the fact that this man literally changed the whole course of this family by saying, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. And so now you see the display of thankfulness. A heart of gratitude. What has he done for you? What has he done for your family members? That is producing in you a heart of thankfulness. A heart of gratitude. Will you not pour out your best for him? Will you not pour out your oil for him? Will you not say, Lord, not only the oil that is costly, but oh, let me just wipe it with my hair. Let me just clean that. Let me just anoint you. Let me just do what I can do. And not only the thankfulness that she had for what Jesus has already done for her brother, but God was preparing Jesus for burial. And this woman was right in step, right in sync with preparing his body for what he was about to experience. You don't know when you just come with your simple, thank you, Lord. I lavish you with my praise. Thank you, Lord. I'm overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Let my life be an outpouring. Some will say it's wasteful, but let my life be an outpouring. You don't know what you're doing. She may have not fully understood what she was doing, but I'll tell you, God saw it. And God said there's a stamp of approval upon what this woman is doing. It pleased the heart of God. So she takes this oil that's costly, and she anoints the feet of Jesus, and she wipes his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. Your praise produces fragrance. When you praise the Most High God, it produces an aroma in the room, and everyone around can tell there's something that's just shifted. Someone was allowed the Spirit of the Living God to penetrate deep, deep down inside of them, and now what has been what has been produced? But there's been a broken alabaster box, and that broken alabaster box now is producing a fragrance, a fragrance of thanksgiving, a fragrance that's an aroma that everyone can hear, see, and feel. They can smell it. They, there's an anointing that's released. And it happened just today as well. 
and we all were taken into a place of his utter extravagant love being poured upon us. We all experienced it, didn't we? God wants to do that more. He wants to continue to do this. He doesn't limit us. He doesn't limit you. You know, Mary, her, her, her brother that had been dead, right, for four days, in the power of God rose him. She'll never forget. She never, you'll never forget when God does things, when he has done things like this for you, have you ever forgotten? Have you ever forgotten when he, when he pulled you out of that mess, when he removed you from that near-death experience? Have you ever forgotten? When, have you ever forgotten when he gave you a voice when you had none? Have you ever forgotten the things that God has done? She never forgot. So let your love for Jesus be so extravagant that the opposition will have to be so high to match it. It won't match. Let your love for Jesus be so extravagant so off the charts, over the top. Let them say you're crazy for Jesus. Who cares? You are. Stop becoming offended when they say you're crazy for Jesus. You should ask them, why are you not? What's wrong with you? Did you miss something in the gospel? Are you even saved? What's wrong with you? You should be crazy for Jesus. Let the extravagant love of God in you be such an outpouring that the opposition has no place to land, no place at all. Thankfulness takes you there. Gratefulness keeps you there. In that place of utter dependence, complete transformation and surrender heart to him. So we have to understand something. Jesus had to override the religious leaders' ideals to touch the heart of true worshipers. Mary, she was a true worshiper, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll read in a minute here how Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached, what she has done will always be remembered. So we know that Jesus approved of her worship. We know that. Stop letting people make you feel ridiculed because your praise is so expressive. When you truly know what you've been rescued from, how can you not be expressive? When you truly have this, uh, this passion for Jesus, how can you keep your mouth shut? Awareness brings this radical lifestyle. You're aware. Some are not aware of the gift, and that's why. But she knew. She was radical. She was a radical worshiper. Mary touched Jesus' feet, and she let her hair down to wipe his feet with her hair. And what some may not know is, is that what we go, oh, that's a beautiful picture. It's a great word picture. No, it's beyond that. It was actually taboo. In that day, it was taboo. In that culture, that should have never happened. This would have meant death. As a man, you can't let a woman touch you. And you're just letting her touch you? You're just letting her anoint you? Jesus, what's wrong with you? Why are you letting this happen? Do you not know she's a woman? Do you not know you're breaking all kinds of cultural laws right now? But they're really lies. But you're breaking cultural laws right now? Women were not even to let their hair down, for heaven's sakes, in public. Because it was considered too provocative. Everything that she was doing was just, according to their law, according to their custom, off, wrong. In other words, it should have never happened. But see, Jesus didn't say, oh, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't let this happen. I'm going against the law. He says, no, I, I actually, I've come to fulfill the law. You've actually missed it. You've actually missed the fact that I'm here as the fulfillment of the law. You're going to do what I say. You're going to do as I have shown you because you've only understood part of it. You've understood the law that kills. You haven't understood the love of God 
You haven't understood the purposes of God, but I am he. And for those that had ears to hear, he would say, I am he. And he revealed himself to those that had the willingness to, to hear who he really was and to see who he really was. And there were many. There were many that did. So she literally was so grateful for what happened in her life that she allowed herself to take those risks. She knew too. They all, women back then knew. She knew too. I'm not supposed to do this. And she took a step of faith, even if she was fearful. And she did what culture said not to do. I'm not trying to tell you, hey, do whatever you want. I'm saying don't allow a man-made religion or a man-made uh, limitation to keep you in your box. And instead, God says, I want you to praise me with your whole heart. I, I want you to lavish me with your praise. I don't want you to be limited in your praise. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You know, when you're truly grateful for what God has done, then you're going to not let man's rejection, man's opinions to keep you bound and silent when God says, lavish me with your praise. We go down to verse 7. He says, leave her alone. Let her alone, it says. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have always, but me you will not always have. Let's go over to Mark 14. See, this story is, is um, written in three of the four Gospels. It's in John 12. It's in Mark 14, which we're going to look at here in a moment. But it's also in, it's also in Matthew 26. So if you want to read this story in the entirety and you want to read all three gospel, there's three gospel accounts out of the four that this story is written in. So Mark 14, and it says, after two days, it was the Passover and the feast of the unleavened bread and the chief, the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. Verse 3. Being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came, ha came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. And then she broke the flask and she poured it on his head. When you have been broken and you allow your life to be literally spilled out for him, it's like, you, it's like your life was broken and now you're pouring your all onto Jesus. That's what she was doing. She broke the flask and she poured it all. She poured it all. And though they were saying, there were, there were so many that they were, they were indignant. Why was this fragrant oil wasted? Your life is not wasted. Your worship is not wasted. It is not wasteful when you come with passionate praise unto Jesus. It is not wasteful. It's your overflow. It's your extravagant worship back unto him. Because you know what he has done. So they misunderstood, didn't they? Well, people misunderstand you too. But it's okay. How could they know when they haven't been fully touched? How can they know? How can you expect anyone to know unless they have actually encountered what you have encountered? So we don't hold it against them. We just don't let them cause us to be quiet and shut our praise down. We just don't let them cause us to change because we know we have tasted of him. He is so good. Is everyone following? Are we all understanding what I'm saying? Because, yeah, it's, a, it's critical. You know, you see people, you see Christians dropping like flies. You see Christians jumping over. And, and they may not say, let me explain what I mean by this. They're not saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm renouncing my faith in Christ. Oh, they're not going to say that. But the compromise is evident. Their inability to stand strong during the difficulties of life have literally proven that they have mixed motives and double standards. 
There's an inability to really stand strong for some believers because the pressure is too much. It's like a frog in the cooker. They feel the heat, right? And some of them are jumping out. Don't you jump out of what God says, I am enough. I am with you. I am never going to leave you. Let the praise of God come forth out of your mouth. Some of the most spiritual things you could ever do in your time of difficulty is just praise him and praise him loud. Just give him your all. And you're allowed to not be necessarily like, you know, loud as a noise, you know, sound. But inwardly, you're lavishing him with everything. It may be crying. You may be, your praise might be in a form of tears. But it is your praise that's literally coming forth and being poured out upon him. And yes, of course, it becomes misunderstood. So we, we have freedom to be able to express our hearts towards the Lord, right? And so don't let anything stop you of that. This woman didn't let anything stop her of that. She was grateful. She didn't care. She didn't care that this could have meant death for her. She didn't care that she could have been totally ostracized. She didn't care. She didn't care that, you know, people would have rejected her. Well, of course they did. They did reject her. She didn't care because the one that has the ability to keep her is the one that she was pleasing and not man. So when you please Jesus, when you please God, when your eyes are on him, not on people, it's not going to matter what happens. You're just going to know, I can't help but praise, right? I can't help but praise him. And so, and so here, I, I love this outpouring. I love this story of the outpouring because, see, people get it wrong. They say it's wasteful. But see, he says, no, it's not wasteful. What, what, what man says is wasteful, the Lord says it's an outpouring. Hallelujah. Let's go to verse 5. He says, it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. How many of you have been criticized for your faith? How many of you have been criticized uh, by Christians for your expression of faith? How many of you have been criticized by some of your family members that are also Christians that go to other churches and go, man, you guys are off the wall. You're off the chart. You know, and it's like, well, excuse me, but I'm actually thankful for what Jesus has done. Is that a crime? Is that a sin? The last time I checked, he says, I want you to be grateful because what I've done is a continual, continual outpouring. It's a continual outpouring. His grace is sufficient. So, yeah, no, we, we are not going to allow people's limited ability to understand block our praise. That's all it is. Like, I don't want you to get all upset with them and be like, who do you think they are? And get all, get all like, indignant yourself and offended. No. How can you expect a child to run a marathon? You don't. You never do. Common sense. You don't expect that from them. So you don't judge them. You don't sit there and go, I can't believe that they're not running a marathon. What's wrong with this infant? You don't think that way, right? Because it's ridiculous, right? But why is it that we think that way about some of our fellow believers? They haven't understood. Church, they haven't been... Just be grateful. Like Mary, he's touched my heart. Let me tell you about a man. Remember the Samaritan woman? Let me tell you about a man that told me everything about me. Let me tell you about this man that changed my life. And she went and she, and she evangelized. And she didn't let the ridicule. Okay, can't you just, come, just be a normal Christian, will you? No, she didn't let that stop her because love was compelling her to live extravagantly for him. And we're called to live extravagantly for Jesus. Not caring what other people say or do or think because they're going to church. That's okay. They don't understand. Just pray for their eyes to be open. Because there was a day we didn't understand. 
and somebody prayed. Maybe you had people praying for you. You may not know it, but we certainly do know that, you know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they're praying for us. And so we just need to know, wow, we get to lavish him. And we don't care if people don't understand. We don't let that stop us. So now let's go to verse um, 6. So, but Jesus says, leave her alone, right? Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Don't you want to hear those words? You've done a good work for me. You've done a good work for him because you love him and you're unashamed of the gospel. So you have the poor always with you. Whenever you wish, you may do good to them. But me, you don't always have. And what she has done, she has done what she could do. She has come before me to anoint my body for, for burial. It cost her something. You know, and our Christian walk is going to cost us something. Sometimes it costs us our, the closest friends and family because they don't understand. Right? So sometimes it costs us something that's very dear to our heart. Honestly, what does the word cost? It has to hurt or it's not even a cost. If it's not hurting in some way, it's not really called a cost. It costs you something, right? So it costs something. It's going gonna, it's gonna to produce brokenness in some way, whether it's a breach in a relationship, whether it's friends that no longer, you're not on the same page. You've changed. Were you ever called to stay stagnant? No, you were called by God to grow. You were called to, by God to actually move forward. So you can't expect what worked yesterday's, the yesterday's of your life, to still work today if you're moving forward in Christ. So you're growing and you're learning, and God doesn't limit us. He wasn't limiting this woman, and he doesn't limit us. And he's saying, if you would just trust me and take those steps my way, like get into your word, be involved, you know, be, be planted at church, stay, serve, Give him your all. Let me open your heart. Let me heal you. Don't limit what I'm trying to do every time you come to a worship service. Let me work in you. Don't be focused on other people. Focus on me. Don't be limited by what I'm doing. Don't worry about all of that. I'm here to literally transform your life. I will transform your life if you just give me that open door to your heart. He is knocking, right? And so when we just say, wow, Lord, do unto me according to your word. I am your handmaiden. You know, that's not just what Mary, the mother of Jesus, said. I am your handmaiden. Do unto me according to your word. That should be what we all say. Do unto me, Lord. Wow, when it, it costs me something. I'm broken. Yes, I feel the brokenness, Lord. It costs, it costs a lot. But the brokenness leads to an outpouring. That extravagant outpouring is what God says. Here's the fragrance. It was always within you. But now you're letting it out. This morning, my husband pointed out that we have a tree in the backyard, and it's um, and it was um, blooming, and these beautiful white flowers. And he says, and he says, look at that flower. He's like, it looks like a perfume bottle, like one a fancy, very eloquent perfume bottle. And I went and looked, and I thought, oh my gosh, how beautiful. But number one, it's pointing up to Jesus, right? It's just like it's not open, but you can see the second one was just barely opening, and that's what I see in your lives, just. You know, pointing up to Jesus, you're saying, oh, Lord, yes, I need you. I need you more. I, I need you in my life. I need, to, I need to change. Come and heal me. And, I said, and the other one was just barely starting to open. In other words, it takes a risk, right, for us to allow the love of God sometimes to come in. Like we have to let go of some things in order to, to allow him to really penetrate our heart, right? It, it just takes some risk sometimes. It takes, it's called faith. It's called faith. And so, so 
I don't know, I, I saw that. I saw that today as he pointed out those beautiful perfume bottles, right? And I was thinking about the message today about literally being a fragrant offering before the Lord in outpouring. What people call wasteful, God says, no, it's actually beautiful. It's extravagant. Don't stop your extravagant expression of the love of God because he doesn't stop towards you. He doesn't limit. He doesn't block. It's not like the love of God is only goes this far and then that's it. He says there's a continual flow. We don't want to stop it because someone said something, because someone misjudged or dis doesn't understand, or because inwardly you feel insecure or fear or everything else. No, 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 no. Become who God calls you to become. Flourish in his courts. Let him do unto you as he did to Mary, as he did to, to this woman. And then in verse 9, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached, in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. That means she's leaving a legacy, right? That means that she was, she was, she allowed the Lord to move in her in such a powerful way that it's literally not just for today. And I think that for most of us, we feel the same way. We don't, we're not living for today. We're living for Jesus. Because we're not living for tomorrow either. We're not being like, oh, I'm living till I get that car. Oh, I'm living till I get that house. Hey, having goals are great, but we're living for Jesus. Our heart's on him, right? That's where our heart is. So I said, it'll cost you to surrender all. It cost Mary. Like there was a, there was a moment in time she had to say, am I willing to take that risk and touch this man's feet when I know it's taboo? Because there's a cost. She had to calculate that cost in her head. So having... Having a, a heart that's so lavished upon him will cost you everything. Surrendering it all. He wants us to surrender. He wants you to give your best. She gave her all. And we're going to give our all to Jesus no matter what. No matter if we're understood, liked, rejected, shunned. It doesn't matter. We're going to give our best to Jesus because he's given his best to us. Number two, give and let go. She gave, but she had to let go. Right? She didn't hold on. She expected nothing in return. You, have you ever been there where your heart is so full of the love of God that you just give? You don't have any expectations of something in return. Now, God does return. <laughs> his, his, you know, he, he is a good God. He's a giver. But she gave out of abundance and out of purity, expecting nothing in return. She poured the oil. She broke the box. She poured the oil. She broke it. She poured it out. And she was so grateful because of something that already took place. Not in trying to manipulate Jesus to do something else. One of the best ways for you to walk really under the favor of God, you're favored because his word says so and as we walk in obedience, but one of the best ways to see that he has called you to do is to just live a heart of extravagant worship, which means thankfulness, which means gratefulness. And then you do that. Everything you do is because of what he already has done. His blood was shed for us. He literally went to the cross for us. He removed your sin. What if not one more thing in your life ever changes? What if not one more good thing comes your way? Is he enough? In your heart, is he enough? What if the things you've been believing for and praying for don't ever come to pass? Will you still praise him? Will you still lavish him with your praise? Because he is looking for all. He's looking for the surrender of all your heart. Complete, complete surrender, right? And so when we can truly answer that with, yes, I am a lovesick lover of Jesus. He is more than enough for me. 
don't you know, parents, that when your child comes to you and they have so much gratefulness and gratitude, it, your heart wells up and you just want to give them more. And they didn't even ask. They don't even ask. But isn't your, how many of you guys have parented children, right? You've parented your kids. And you know it's like your heart wells up and you just want to give them what they didn't even ask for. It's not the why. It's not the why you do this, right? But it, it's just how it works. Gratitude leads to abundance. So when we're talking about costly, we're talking about extravagant life, we're talking about a life of worship, we're talking about giving and letting go, expecting nothing in return, because loving him was her motive. Let your motive be just to love him. That's our motive. We're not trying to control a situation. We're not trying to do this or that. Our motive is because we love Jesus. Why are you here? Do, are you here because you feel like, oh, you know, I've got to get in church on a Thursday morning? <laughs> Probably not. It might be for some on a Saturday night, but that shouldn't be your motive. Your motive should be because you love him. Compelled. Being compelled by God's love to do. Now, of course, don't get me wrong. Because before that happens within your heart, you do so out of obedience. You do the right things because God has spoken it in his word. You're going to gather together. You're going to go to church. You're going to do what is right. Your motive may not always be 100% pure whether that be at first or whether that be at certain times in your life. But does God still use what he has put in you and work through what He his perfect will? Absolutely. But I'm just trying to encourage you that although we are to be obedient and do the will of God and go even when you don't feel like it and worship even when you don't feel like it, all that has a place. And, it, and it sh we should be operating under, um, you know, have just the integrity of, of who you are in Christ. But I'm also trying to tell you that there's a point in your walk, it's like that tipping point, where you really have so been so transformed that this is no longer, I, I need to, I should, I want to do the right thing, I want to be obedient, which is good. God uses that. It's the beginning. But there's a point in your walk where it spills over to such extravagance, such extravagant giving. Um, and I, I was referring to giving of your heart, giving of your worship, extravagant love back unto Jesus, right? Such an extravagant walk that that's when it truly becomes ridicule. Because most people, I don't know that everybody actually enters into that, that understanding um, of what they could have. That's the outpouring. That's the extravagant life I'm talking about. Not, not every believer actually gets there. You know why? Not because God doesn't want them to, but because you have to be willing to let go of, of a lot of things. You have to be willing to let go of lies in your head. The enemy telling you, that is foolish. You look foolish. You look ridiculous. You have to be willing to let go of, you know, what sometimes parents, siblings, spouses say that are hurtful, you know, um, loved ones that don't understand. You have to be willing. You have to be sold out. So, but this is a work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And you will work this in you, and then he'll work it out of you, right? And so I love this story of this woman with the alabaster box. Because she spilled out what others misunderstood. She poured out what was beautiful. It was holy and it wasn't common. They're like, we've been waiting a whole year. It's been saved up for a whole year. And now you just pour it out on the ground? Oh, no. Oh, no. 
You mean you've been working all, all week, you've been working for months, you've been doing all of these things, and then you come and you spend three hours just worshiping Jesus? What's wrong with you? Don't you understand time? Don't you understand time and the importance of time? Don't you understand you can't get time back? Him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Matthew 6, right? We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to give him our very best. We're going to pour our lives out and let our lives be that fragrant offering, that extravagant life. Not because we're trying to be so out of the box, but because we can't help ourselves. Things are what he's done. Amen.